0: My name is Abby. I'm your host. Um, If you hear some crazy noise in the background, it is my dishwasher and dryer. I'm trying to be productive today, (laughs) in case you couldn't tell. So this is a podcast predominantly for those who have gone through or are going through uh, deconversion, deconstruction... However, everyone is welcome here. If you're looking for more insight as to why so many people are leaving the church, or why they have been left with such a bad taste in their mouth from the church, or if you've never had any sort of uh, religious experience in your life and so maybe you keep seeing things pop up on your Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it may be, and you're like, huh, religious trauma, what the fuck? (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) So I want to take a minute here and say that when I posted the first episode of this podcast, I was not... I did not have high expectations (laughs) for how this was going to go. You know, I thought that my friends for sure would check it out, but nothing spectacular, right? But I have heard from several people, um, which is several more than what I was expecting, (laughs) and It has been just so touching, and I cannot emphasize enough how much it has meant hearing from you guys and having the conversations that we've had, because even though I came into this with the mindset of, I want to put this out there for people who feel like they're going through it, and they're going through it alone, and they feel isolated. After talking with you guys, I didn't realize how isolated and alone I still felt. Because the way I was thinking about it was... Well, I was gaslighting myself, really. I thought, you know, maybe my old church wasn't as bad as what I'm remembering. Maybe my experiences aren't as bad as I'm remembering. And then hearing from you guys and most of the people that I've heard from have been others who have attended that church and done that internship that I did. And so to hear from others, it's like, oh, I'm also not alone in this. And... That has been so comforting, but to hear that it has been helpful for you guys, it means more than I can put into words. I mean, even some of the conversations I've had, like, genuinely brought tears to my eyes because, you know, all I want is to make you guys feel better about this. To Make it feel less of a bad thing. This isn't a bad thing, you know? Leaving your faith, deconverting, it's not a bad thing to do. Being honest with yourself and being truthful to what you believe, that's not bad. That's incredible and that's brave. And not everybody has the strength to do that. And so hearing everybody's stories has just been so inspiring, and I'm so, so honored to be a part of y'all's journeys, but I'm sorry if you, like, hear my chair squeaking a lot, my cat keeps jumping up and down on my (laughs) lap, but anyways, um, (laughs) so today I wanted to talk a little bit about what it is to be a woman in Christianity. In the Christian culture. And I'm also going to talk about um, purity culture because that plays such a massive part in it. So for me, I have this idea of what the perfect Christian woman is, right? You know, you've all seen her. On your Instagram explore page or maybe you personally know them and you know it's the woman who always looks so put together, her hair is perfectly curled, um, makeup is flawless, outfit perfectly coordinated, her toddler wears like all organic cotton overalls and shit and she's on the worship team and she Hosts Bible studies at her house every Wednesday, and you know, a b- part of that is from watching my mom when I was growing up. Um, she did the whole Bible study thing. She did the worship team singing thing. I'm sorry, my cat is being an absolute menace right now. <laughs> so sorry, you're really getting the real me today. <laughs> Anyways, so watching my mom fill that role, she was like the all star homemaker. But seeing these women and seeing them, like, okay, for instance, the uh, senior pastor at the church that I went to, Mana, his wife and his daughters. I mean, the whole family was like put on such a pedestal, but especially as a woman attending the church, his wife and his daughters were like the ideal woman, the perfect Christian woman. They did everything right um, to fit into that mold. (sighs) And I mean, that's not to say that they aren't fantastic people. By no means is this me, like, shitting on women who do or enjoy these things. Like, I was on the worship team. You know, I attempted to lead a (laughs) Bible study as well, and I did several of the things. I wanted to be that woman, and that's my point of bringing this up, is that because there was this stereotype of what a Christian woman should be, that is what it felt like we were all striving for. And I could never attain it. Never. You know, I'm not... I've had short hair most of my life. I've got tattoos and piercings. And I couldn't have a fashion sense if you paid me (laughs) and again that's not to be like I'm not like other girls like I'm a cool girl, no no, because I'm comfortable with that now but when I was in the church I tried everything I could to be that woman and part of being that woman was also you know The Bible talks about being a subservient wife and obeying your husband. And so, with that comes this idea of women being soft spoken, women being quiet, women, you know, not being sarcastic or not being assertive or not taking up too much space or having any sort of authority. Even over her own self. Like, I've just always thought that I have too much of my grandma in me. My grandma Nell. She's one of those, like, bitchy little Irish Catholic women. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) She has since passed. But she was always so outspoken and opinionated, and she laid down the law, and she told you like it was, and you could either accept it or you could get the hell out of her face, and that was it. (laughs) And I inherited a lot of that. Like, I have always been very outspoken. I don't handle being spoken down too well, or being told like people trying to quote put me in my place or you know it, trying to be quiet and soft spoken i i am not that and i never have been <laughs> and i'm super sarcastic and so i would always get so and it makes me so sad to think about god you guys just keep like getting me emotional (laughs) Um, but during the internship especially like trying to be that woman that idea of the perfect Christian woman and not being able to force myself into being that I hated it it made me like resent myself just for being who I was, for having my own personality, my own interests, my own style, my own sense of humor, for being a little bit of a bitch. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Like I said, there is nothing wrong with all of those characteristics that I listed as like the ideal Christian woman, I applaud those women. That takes a lot of discipline. It's like the church's version of beauty standards. I hope that makes it make like more sense. It's not that the women who live up to the beauty standards are bad people or that I don't like them. It's just that there are people outside of that who are pushing those standards. And in turn, I feel like I am less than because I can't meet them. It's the same concept. And so looking at this standard of womanhood and trying to make myself smaller and make myself into something that I'm not in order to try to attain that... And specifically with the goal of getting a Christian husband just totally wore me down. And it made me realize that I had all of these things that were viewed as undesirable. You know, as a young Christian woman, you're kind of led to believe that The ultimate thing you can do is to get married to a young Christian man. That is the start of your whole life, right? That's when everything becomes realized because being a wife and being a mother is like the highest achievement that a Christian woman could possibly have. And for myself that was always very difficult because I did not have the ideal attributes. I'll cut to the chase. I wasn't a virgin. (laughs) You know, I hadn't been a virgin since I was like 15. And that's not to say that that's right or wrong. It just is what it is. It's the way my life unfolded. And because I grew up In the early 2000s, purity culture was detrimental and continued to be detrimental to me and many others. It's so funny, I keep seeing things that are calling out purity culture and that is fantastic and that continues to need to be done because it isn't over and I keep seeing it phrased as if is over, as if purity culture isn't still a thing. Like this one post I was reading was about purity culture was in the 90s and early 2000s. It is still very much alive and well. Growing up, being taught that you were like a stick of gum, right? That once one person chewed on you, that made you less appealing to the next person. And if you did find a person that wanted to chew that piece of gum, then that would mean two people had already chewed on that piece of gum. So why why would a third person want to? Then you're, you know, so on and so forth. And so I had this idea in my head that because I was not a virgin, because I had a past, because I had done drugs, because, you know, trigger warning, I had self-harmed, all of these things, I was mentally ill, what good Christian man would want me? As if that is the pinnacle of being. (laughs) But the thing is, is that women in the church are taught that we are inherently, quote, stumbling blocks for Christian men. Our mere existence is a temptation to them And so we have to watch ourselves and mind our P's and Q's so that we do not tempt them and cause them to fall into sin. Us just being present, even just the idea of us, is enough to make a man sin. To make a man sin. Not that, oh, a man is thinking about a woman in a sexual manner, which is completely normal, mind you. And so he needs to keep himself in line. No, 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 no. What was the woman doing that made him think that way? That made him do what he did? For instance, when I was in the internship, (laughs) it keeps coming right back around to that, doesn't it? There was a young woman and a young man and This young woman came forward to her leadership and told them that the year prior or the summer prior, he had, again, trigger warning, sexually assaulted her. And they asked if she wanted to get the authorities involved. She said no, which with the way the church handled it, maybe she should have because the church then suspended the both of them the both of them and made them both write essays about what had happened so this this goes beyond and this is exactly what fucking purity culture does people think that it ends you know with oh well woman women just shouldn't dress like sluts women shouldn't act like sluts women shouldn't XY and Z they should do this and this all of these rules for women to follow. And because of that, men are always inherently the victims. Because women are temptresses. And that's just what they do. And so w- men just don't stand a chance. That's just the way that men are. Men are just sexual beings. Oh my God. The way that I felt abnormal as a woman for having sexual urges. Because you only ever heard about men having sexual urges, but that wasn't because of the men, that was because of something wrong that the woman was doing. And people think that it stops there. No no no. Don't fool yourself. This happens even when it comes to instances of abuse and assault. It isn't just the man's fault, surely the woman... Had some part to play in it. And I have such a hard time. Because I've spoken to several people. And this is a topic that I'm going to cover in a future episode. About, you know, people try to make Christianity. They try to make the Bible something that it is not. Specifically, they try to make it progressive. I've even been told that Bible is feminist. Let's unpack that one a little bit, <laughs> because I feel like there is one verse, maybe two verses, that sum it up so well, one of them being 1 Timothy 2.14, which says, I'm sorry, 2.14 and 15, which says, an Adam was not the one deceived, this is regarding, you know, the Garden of Eden, the original sin. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. And then there's 1 Timothy 2.12, But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man but to be in silence. Because, you know, people love to act as if the sexism, the wrath of God, the genocide, all of that like bad stuff is in the Old Testament. But it's not. Talking about Women being deceived. Women needing to stay quiet. Women being the sinners. Women being saved through childbearing. Women not having authority. This is all New Testament stuff, baby. (laughs) Don't get confused. This is all New Testament stuff that talks about Women not teaching. Women not being in roles of leadership. Women needing to obey and be subservient to their husbands. And that's not even to get into the Old Testament. Because if you want to look at the Bible as a whole, which you should, then let's talk about women being raped and being forced to marry their rapists. Women being treated as property how female slaves were treated versus male slaves. It is absolutely abhorrent to me. And the fact that somebody could read the Bible and then sit there and say that it is feminist is ludicrous. And I've heard the argument time and time again about so many different things in the Bible. Well, Abby, you just need to take into consideration the time period that it was written in. The culture that it was written in. You need to put it in context. Okay, first off, where does it tell you to do that in the Bible? Where in the Bible does it give you the green flag to go ahead and just ignore certain things or sweep certain things under the rug or, you know, warp certain things so that you're more comfortable with them based off of the time period and the culture. Where does it tell you to do that? Because if you're doing that with things that you want to do that with, which, oh, I want to believe that the Bible is feminist, so I'm going to look at those verses and those stories and those commandments and say that, well, that was just, that was the time but i'm only going to do it with certain things that i want to do it with. Okay, well, if you just magically have a free pass to do that from somewhere, i'm i'm not sure where it tells you to do that. Again, if somebody knows, please clue me in. Why not do that with everything else? People laugh at the argument of you know, not having premarital sex was because they didn't have contraception or homosexuality was because they were trying to increase the population and that's why it was frowned upon in the bible and christians will laugh at that but they do it with other verses (laughs) you know that they don't agree with so apparently somehow they have gained the authority of picking and choosing what verses what ideas to stamp with put it in context of time and place, they get to choose what to do that with. Everything else is like, uh, well, you know, they're just looking for an excuse to live in sin. But you're also trying to change what the Bible means by doing that. You're just doing it with different things. And hey, don't, (laughs) don't get me wrong. I would love for it to be a feminist religion. I would love that. It just isn't. And that is one of the reasons why I had so much trouble with it. I never felt like I could truly be myself because I am a strong, outspoken, opinionated woman and I embrace my womanhood. I am proud of my womanhood and I've even been told by Christian men that I shouldn't be PROUD of being a woman. You shouldn't be PROUD of something like that. I was prophesied over saying that I needed a husband who wouldn't let me and I quote, steamroll him. That I needed a husband who would have authority over me and not let me quote, walk all over him. You tell me when it gets feminist. You tell me when I should be empowered. Because so far, all I'm hearing is that I should be ashamed of the things that I've done. I should be looking for a man who will exercise his authority over me. And I should obey him and be subservient to him. And that the only way I can possibly redeem myself from being such a monster is through childbearing. And that when I am in church, I should be quiet. And how dare I assume that I could teach a man something? You know, there's even a scripture in the Bible where it says, if a woman has a question about something that is said in church, she should go home, wait until they're at home, and ask her husband. And her husband should give her instruction. And all of those are already overwhelming enough, but it starts at birth. You know, because... Eve was originally the one that was deceived, and she was the sinner. Women are the sinners. We are forever the ones that fall short and cause others to fall short. And women are made to feel like fucking monsters. And the second you step a toe out of line, they will let you know where you are in the hierarchy. You you just wait and see if a man and a woman make the same mistake in the church. Who gets treated worse out of the two? You just sit back and watch. I just got so sick of it. So sick of trying to push down and shut up my own femininity. I tried with everything that I could to make up for being a woman. And it, it it's such a hard thing to do to at one time be told that your womanhood is something dirty and to be ashamed of and then to all of a sudden be expected to embrace it. Like for instance, there are so many women that I know, so many women who because of purity culture Because of being told that sex is wrong and dirty and bad and you need to take responsibility for men's shortcomings, it is your fault if they mess up, they then get married and people expect them to just shut that off, to be able to overcome years, if not decades of conditioning them to be ashamed of their sexuality and their womanhood. And they can't. To the point where so many of them develop vaginismus, where it's this physiological condition wherein a woman gets so stressed or so scared that the muscles in her vagina tense and clench to the point where penetration is excruciatingly painful if not impossible. The way that the church treats women reaches far beyond emotional ramifications. This is traumatic. This is physical. This is people shaming women for being born women. And it's not just women that suffer from this. Men are then made to feel that they are always the authority, that they have to always be the masculine, they have to always be logical, and they are sexual, physical beings. Human beings aren't made to be shoved into these tiny boxes that religion expects them to fit into. It isn't fair. And it's not healthy. And I am so sick of being gaslighted into believing, or people trying to make me believe, that Christianity is progressive. It's feminist. It's all about empowerment. The basis of Christianity is shame. End of story. Whether you are a man, but especially if you are a woman, because you are dirty and you're a sinner, and you deserve to suffer for it. Because all women fall under the umbrella of the first woman. We are paying for our sins for all of eternity. And we are making up for our sins with our bodies. Because menstruation has been thrust upon us as a punishment childbearing has been thrust upon us as a punishment and therefore being made to feel like we are there to fill some hole or satisfy men. That is how we redeem ourselves, with performing for men and by suffering. How is that feminist? How am I supposed to feel empowered by that? I am reading this book um, by Sue Monk Kidd called The Dance of the Dissident Daughter and there's this passage where she quotes a Jungian analyst named Sylvia Pereira and she says what has been valued in the West in women has too often been defined only in relation to the masculine the good nurturant mother and wife the sweet, docile, agreeable daughter, the gently supportive or bright achieving partner. This collective model is inadequate for life. We mutilate, depotentiate, silence, and enrage ourselves, trying to compress our souls into it just as surely as our grandmothers deform their fully breathing bodies with corsets for the sake of an ideal. And that is what it boils down to. Our value as women, especially in the church, is boiled down to how do we make the men in our lives feel? What value do we bring to them? And I think a part of that, a part of all of this, is just this is the consequence of removing the divine feminine out of our spirituality in expanding and really embracing my spiritual practice my paganism a big part of it is finding the divinity in nature right and then you know that's really the biggest part and of course this is all again my opinion and then the different deities fall behind that but even if you just look at Ancient belief systems, the oldest among them had a god and a goddess, and they were equal. They were worshiped as equals. So you know, people will try to sit there and tell you, no, you know, Christianity has sacred feminine as well. Look at the Virgin Mary. Okay, why, why is she sacred? Why is she valued and regarded so highly, it's because of what she did, how she performed for God, for Jesus, the men in her life. That is why she is valued. It has nothing to do with her intrinsic womanhood, but it should. You know, I believe that every human being has something divine within them. And you know, you can look to science for that the way that we think shapes our reality it shapes the things that happen to us the things that we do the relationships that we have and then we as humans are able to create we're able to create life we're able to you know manifest so many different things and how how silly would it be to believe That any one of us is more divine or has more power than the other. Who has any right to practice authority over me? And especially to act as if they have spiritual authority over me. I think not. (laughs) Just like I don't have spiritual authority over anybody else. Taking the divine feminine out of religious practices has been so damaging. You take the divine feminine out, you remove the divinity of intuition, of feeling versus thinking. You remove your connection to other people, to the collective. You remove your connection from nature You remove the connection from your body because now you are taught that your body is sinful and it's dirty and impure and it works against you and you have to work against it. Without the divine feminine, we are separated from the power and the cycle of transformation and creation. That's one of the biggest signs of divinity for me as a woman is our ability to create. And when I say divine feminine or sacred feminine or whatever it may be, it's not about gender. It's not because men just as much should be in touch with their divine feminine. There is this really great article on Bustle.com about the Divine Feminine. It says, we all have a polarity within us, that of the masculine, which is active slash force, and the feminine, which is receptive slash form. And we experience these through periods of action and periods of rest and integration. The Divine Feminine is the creative and life-giving energy within all of us that gives form to that which we care about and we put our energy into. And by making the Divine a patriarchal system, we removed all of that from ourselves, not just from women, but from men as well. And especially men. Now we, in so many Circles. we shame men who seem to be more in touch with their divine feminine and more secure in it. Taking out, removing, shaming divine feminine from spirituality, from religion, has hurt all of us. Another quote is, This is not biological and not something attached to motherhood. The Divine Feminine is a way of aligning with the vibrant love of the universe and channeling that through your body into creating, connecting, or loving. And it's accessible to everyone because no matter what, we all have a body. And that is something that I'm really trying to get comfortable with is that my body is not something that I should resent or hate or be disgusted by or ashamed of. My body is there for me to better connect with myself, with others, with the earth, with nature. It's so much harder to do that when you're only operating under the assumption of divine masculine. Because then divine masculine is all about doing, it's about thinking and action and independence and toughness and that's not healthy to be doing all the time. It's all about balance. How can you strike that balance within yourself? How can you erase years of being taught that an integral part of you is wrong and something to be ashamed of? I encourage you to start doing more creative Practices, whether that be (laughs) starting a podcast (laughs) or journaling or painting or writing. And that could be poems, songs, short stories, whatever. Meditate. Either lay on the floor, meditate, or even better, what I've, again, something I've been trying to do recently is go out into nature and just. Take the time and sit in silence and just pay attention. Be mindful. Be present. And nature is going to reveal things to you. You can ground yourself. You can find yourself being inspired. It can help you feel more connected to everything. It can help you feel more connected to yourself and your own divinity. And that is such a beautiful thing. I strongly encourage you to find ways to connect to that divine feminine in yourself and feel proud of it. You should feel proud of it. If you're a woman, you should feel proud of your womanhood. If you're a man, you should be proud of being able to connect with your divine feminine. That is an incredibly inspiring thing. It's beautiful. It's something that we should all strive to do, you know. Don't don't try to look in antiquated, patriarchal texts and belief systems to affirm your own divinity and to affirm your femininity because you won't find it. That's where you find people trying to twist and shape and morph and change. they're looking at so that it will become something that they're more comfortable with. And I have all the sympathy in the world for people who do that because they so clearly have this innate primal desire, natural desire to feel empowered, to feel the connection to things around them. They have that desire to embrace their Divine Feminine. To embrace their Feminine Energy. They have that desire, but the shaming, the conditioning to stifle that is overwhelming. And so they do what they can to make it seem as if it's not shaming. And I get that, and I feel for you guys. But again, just like I will in probably every episode, I want to remind you that it doesn't have to be that way. There is nothing wrong with taking a step back and saying, you know what? This does not align with who I am or with who I want to be or with who I feel I should be. These teachings remind me time and time again that I should be ashamed and convicted about my own human experience. And I'm here to tell you that that is incorrect. Your experience on this earth is both human and divine at the same time. And that is okay. That is how it's supposed to be. And you so clearly have the desire to pursue that. And I want to encourage you to pursue that. And if you need to take baby steps towards that, then you take all the baby steps you need and I am here for you. Again, if anybody ever wants to reach out and have a conversation, please do. I love talking to everybody. I love learning all about you. Um, I love hearing about our differences, our things in common. It, It always means so much to me. And truly, truly, I have all the love in the world for all of you guys. If you do want to reach out and have a conversation, you can find me on Instagram. The podcast handle is at the unsaved podcast, or you can email me at the unsaved podcast at gmail.com. I would love, love, love to hear from you. You can also leave a review, follow, subscribe, rate. <laughs> you know, all of those things would be super helpful just so that I can see what you think. And it Any of those things mean the world to me, and I thank you so so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I love talking about this, I'll probably have future episodes about this. (laughs) So this won't be the last time you hear me talk about feminism and womanhood in the church and spirituality. But again, thank you so much for listening and spending this time with me. I love you dearly. And I look forward to talking to you next time.